Hey, we've got Tom Mitchell in the house today, and I have known Tom since 1979. Tom was actually my very first uh, business idol. He was really hard worker, is still a hard worker, and he's going to share a lot of the stories from the road uh, with us today. And we're also going to talk a little bit about what it was like growing up in Vienna, Virginia in the 70s and 80s. All right, Tom. So I'm sitting here with Tom Mitchell and uh, let's talk about Vienna, Virginia, growing up in Vienna in the 1980s. It's uh, well, 70s for you, 80s for me, I think. I think so. I grew up I grew up in Springfield. So we lived in Springfield, Virginia from 1969 to 79. So Uh I moved to your neighborhood where you grew up in 1979, which is when I met you. So but you were you were. uh, So let's talk about that. Tell us what was it like? Yeah, it was a great it was a great time to grow up. It was a great era, I think, because in retrospect, you know, our country had just come out of a very uh, volatile kind of similar to today's. Uh, times actually, but very volatile period in time in our right. country, and uh, the seventies I think was a, like a decade of healing on some mm-hmm. level. People yeah. were pretty kind to each other, um, and you know, looking back, it was a, it was a great time to grow up. I mean, right. it's a you know, I remember when uh, you can. So how how far do we go back? I remember I was thinking about this the other day where uh, when I remember when your mom started getting into real estate. And she and she had uh, that uh, I think it was a formula with the the little twenty nine plates. Yes, <laughs> that's right. That was going that's way right. back. And, and I yeah. remember, um, you know, I had, when I was fourteen, I had bought a moped, and uh, somehow I ended up putting five thousand miles on that thing. That's but, amazing. Uh, but you had that uh, Craftsman uh, lawnmower. Yes, that I you, did. That was your the vehicle Sears of choice. Lawn, that was my. <laughs> you worked that. You you rode that thing everywhere. Man. I rode that lawnmower all over town. Oh boy, I sure did. Boy, I actually drove that thing from where we lived. This is a riding lawnmower, just right. a regular riding Your lawnmower. Traditional, like, I, I know, actually drove it. Or, yeah, yeah, I drove it one day. I drove it from our house in the in the trails, our serenade, our, yeah. our neighborhood, all the way up to Vienna wow. to put uh, to put gas in it, and I and I drove it back. You it was made, probably, did you make it? I did. did have, I, I did. I think I was on empty when I got back. I had half a tank, and uh, maybe it was it was. Uh, but uh, yeah, I don't know what I was thinking. Uh, but I love driving. So yeah, it was great. So yeah, but what was really nice about it is you know in retrospect because you know, I live in Great Falls now, and in our neighborhood, the kids don't play outside. Right. You never see. I mean, so they were normally it was a normal neighborhood, but there were like uh, kind of swarms of kids, different yeah. age groups, you know, and and so you know there'd be a group of seven, eight, nine, ten kids together, and and uh, depending on what the season was or who had what ball or instrument yeah. we just start playing this sport or that sport yeah. and, but um but also it was you know it was, it was um you know just the things we did to engage and really grow i mean i will say something to, and this is what the kids are missing nowadays is that learning how to um how to relate with people and your peers but right. also other groups because when you when you have the packs of kids around the neighborhood there's always you know if you're a fourth grader there's always a seventh eighth ninth grader some big kid that's a, almost a man child you know they were you'd learn how to deal with all these different people at all right. stages on, in a relatively protected environment yes you know, I mean, we all kind of everybody looked out for each other even though there were times where someone was on the bottom of the pile so to speak yeah <laughs> you know but um yeah, yeah it was a, it was a great time and then you know just in the course of uh being in school, knocking on doors. So, you know, I was, yes, I was the Krispy Kreme donut 
uh, delivery kid, newspaper kid, but but just knocking on doors and selling candy bars and yeah. and uh, just kind of setting up lemonade stands uh, yeah. without a license, you know. It's a, yeah. So it just uh, those kind of things were just, it was the best. It was yeah. great. I didn't realize it at the time. And then, of course, you know, we were right next door to, well, the, the Shouses were on the paper route, Miss right. Shouse. And, yep. and, uh, but when I was a kid, I used to play uh, at Wolfshire Farm Park. I'd play underneath the stage. And, mm-hmm. you know, they had, uh, they had police presence there year-round. You know, mm-hmm. we wouldn't, I wouldn't go there in the winter, but... It was just a fun place to be. It was a you know great mm-hmm. place to be. Every once in a while, someone's horse would get out and get loose in the neighborhood because there, <laughs> you know, there was a scattering of like farms. There was a lot of farms. Right, there were. You know, there were know. there were cows up on Lee Highway until really not that long ago. There, right. you, you know, I mean, uh, twenty years ago, uh, there were there were still uh, dairy uh, farms yeah, that, in the area. That, that Drainsville Road shopping center, uh, you know, right at Drainsville Road, and that where that. McDonald's is on the left in the, mm-hmm. the giant shopping center. Yeah, yeah. That was like the last outpost. I remember that. It was just another. It was. Like, and the next stop was Leesburg. Yeah. 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 You better have uh, gas in the tank. But and, even from yeah. Vienna to Reston uh, was just total farmland, too. That's I mean, right. It was just, yeah. So times have really changed. And, you know, we used to hang out at Tyson's and. Yeah. Walk uh, the mall. Yeah. yeah. And, that, and, and back, back then, Tyson's only had one level. Because the lower level was where all the deliveries came right. in and all the trash went out. So, uh, yeah, and I know that because uh, I, I worked at a restaurant there and took trash out, and that was <laughs> nasty down there. Yeah, yeah. So no, it was it was a good time, and we had that we had that field where we would play football sometimes, which I've, I go by there today, oh, yeah. and and it's it's like it's it's this tiny little piece yeah. of grass, but at the time we actually somehow played football on that field yeah. right on boys avenue and i just don't even know how we did it you but baseball we played yeah. baseball and and I, i'm like how the heck and, and it seems so big it did now, i will say there's there's forest creep i mean yeah forest yeah. I, i've been by there and not in five years or so but but last time i was there i was amazed myself at how small that field was right but yeah it was um and then the woods in general you know just the things we used to do with you know yeah catching crayfish and yeah you know, well, not, not only that, I, I, think, I, I think I think the statute of limitations has run out on this one, so I can probably tell this story. But there was a uh, so Wolf Trap Farm Park was on the other side of um, um, the Dallas Toll Road, mm-hmm. and uh, there was a creek that ran from Wolf Trap Farm Park, Wolf Trap, under the Dallas Toll Road into yep. our neighborhood, which is right next to this field where we used to play football, and we could actually walk under the toll road in this creek because it was like three tunnels of of creek and there was always one dry bed so we could walk right under the toll road into the farm park and get into the shows for free did you ever do that uh no i can't recall because you were busy working (laughs) (laughs) maybe maybe yeah you were the responsible one of the of the whole neighborhood actually i I, yeah yeah, but but we we started out with like two or three or four of us would go through and we would go and we would see kenny rogers and dolly part and we really didn't care about the show it was just kind of fun to do it but then there was like six of us and then there was eight of us and then one day there was like 12 or 15 of us come walking out of the woods and this security guard comes over to us and he goes I don't know where you all came from, but you turn around and go right back into those woods, and I don't want to see you again. So uh, he had seen you probably the days prior. Probably. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so it wasn't long thereafter they put up a fence uh, over there, and we couldn't get in anymore. But that was a fun time, you know. Cool. It was. Uh, 
It was fun. Yeah, it was different times. So yeah, and, and and we would you know we would ride bikes, and I mean we would ride from I mean it was probably what two or three miles to get up into Vienna, but we were you know twelve, thirteen, fourteen years old. You got your moped when you were how old? You were fourteen. Fourteen. Mm-hmm. I mean it was it was uh, you know were, just doing that at fourteen is so unusual for kids these days. Yeah, I wouldn't do. I wouldn't let yeah. my kids do it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, there's no exactly. way. Yeah, there's there's, well, I mean, there's no way. How many parents did you see at the bus stop in in twelve years of public school? Yeah, never. You know, maybe never. maybe the first yeah. day for two or three seasons. Yeah. You know, there was you know one yeah. parent or two parents, but now it's the this the social place, I guess. You yeah, know? exactly. But uh, yeah, the, yeah. So it was uh, it was a good place to grow up, and uh, yeah, it was uh, it was uh, a lot of fun. Yeah, and I think and I think. We all had something in common, and we were all kind of trapped within our neighborhood and within our sphere and our and our uh, groups at school because we didn't have Facebook, we didn't have the internet, it didn't exist. So we, you know, if you wanted to see something beyond your neighborhood or beyond your area, you had to get in the car and go. And you know, one of the things I really miss is the the you know driving to Leesburg you were going to a different place you were going to different stores yeah. you were going to a different culture you were going to a different way of life you know you would go down to um, you know Old Town Leesburg and and I think there's still a little bit of that today there's still a little bit of the old uh, culture in Leesburg but you know now you go to Leesburg you've got Target McDonald's you have all the you know the same franchises that are all over the country you can't really go to small town America anymore because America now is just universal. I think everywhere you go, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's very, it's very similar. You know, do you find that as well? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I lived in Leesburg for uh, three years or so. And when I first moved out there in the mid two thousands, um, yeah, we, we did have the solid box box store presence and mm-hmm. you know the walmart's targets and and uh which is, was really nice because they were all close by and you could bounce from one to another uh restaurant wise not so much you had yeah. uh, you had your half dozen choices for chinese and half dozen for italian and that was right. about it and right. now so that's all been filled in and uh yeah a lot of growth out there and mm-hmm. and uh you know between that and ashburn and it is like uh when you live in leesburg it's just a little too far to go to certainly to go to dc but even mm-hmm. tyson's is quite a drive mm-hmm. so you find yourself whereas when i lived in old town you would go everywhere you know tyson's right. to dc you're just there in 10 minutes but yeah but once you move to old town baseball games are a big event i mean just going to dc for a baseball right. game you mean once you move to leesburg yeah it's a field trip yeah, you know? yeah. so yeah. it's an all-day event so but uh yeah yeah it's it's um it's changed quite a bit you know from the days when tyson's two was just you know the pits and yeah a lot of mud and trees well, you know it's funny we you know there was another we were doing another episode and we were talking to somebody about the uh about the about the pits and riding um riding over there there was nothing tyson's to west park was just a thought they had a they had some roads in over there maybe there was one building in that whole area and we would go ride around over there uh, when we got our driver's licenses and um you know have some fun with the cars because it was just it was just a, a road with nothing on it it was almost looked like a racetrack <laughs> yeah right, right. <laughs> 
but uh, yeah, so so um, let's uh, yeah, those were those those were those were good times, and I think it's unfortunate that uh, the 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 folks today will never experience um, you, you know that, and really, if you think about it, for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, thousands of years since the beginning of humanity, that's really the way life was. You know, you had your community, you had your 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 neighbors, and uh, you you were known in the neighborhood and you knew everybody in the neighborhood and that's never going to exist again ever because now we have the internet and 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 mobile phones and everybody's connected digitally and we really don't know what the impact of that is and you know i'm going to spend a lot of time on this on this podcast uh uh talking with folks about the impact of of technology on our society and we don't even know what it is yet but tom i i can tell you i i and 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 the folks that work with me today I talk about this all the time. I miss the corporate culture that we had in, in our company at, at Advanced Water Damage. I miss the corporate culture that we had at my marketing company where a group of folks came to work every day together. And a company policy was you were not allowed to get personal phone calls at work. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. You could not get a personal If you got a personal phone call at work, it better be that there was some sort of an emergency, there was something that happened at home that would disrupt your workday. And all of the minds came together, no matter how great or not great or whatever they were, for a common cause to provide customer service, to service trucks, to help people with water damage or to help people with their marketing programs, whatever whatever it is I was, I was doing. And we all had a common cause that we were fighting all day or working towards all day that doesn't exist anymore. Now, when folks come to work, they're constantly bombarded by the news coming in over the Internet or texts on their phone or Facebook alerts or and the, and the human brain is not really focused at work for a lot of people. Maybe not everybody. Right. I'm sure there's people that go to work and really focus on their job. But your average administrative assistant, your your uh, your average water damage tech or your average carpet cleaning guy. I mean, I see our, our people working on our yard. Landscapers are spending time on their mobile phones, reading their email, you know, mm-hmm. and then there's so that so that that neighborhood culture, I think, may be gone forever. That 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 culture, uh, corporate culture that we had, I think, is certainly gone forever. Uh, but I miss that, you know, and, and, I, and I think, uh, you know, that's kind of what growing up in Vienna was. We had our, our group of uh, folks that were all part of our sphere and they were all part of our world. And and uh, now it's just so much bigger than that and beyond. And I think folks have 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 lost that connectivity to their really their close their, their neighborhood. Maybe yeah. not their direct neighbors, but their extended neighbors. Yeah, I mean, no doubt there's, uh, you know, within the business environment. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think when when people are on their phones and texting, and you know, I think it depending on the the employee. I mean, so I think there's a lot of employees that give you max effort, mm-hmm. and they're able to be distracted and if they are distracted unfairly and unreasonably they may do things extra over and above you know you trade you look past Mm -hmm. your things you know right your primary staff your people that take care of you 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 know they need medical they need time off two or three days here and there you don't i I never counted them you know right right i just go ahead take a day off and yeah and you just kind of you trade right yeah you're looking for well it's different it's definitely different well you're looking for a a win-win relationship and Mm -hmm. i do think that but for the you know for a certain segment of 
the employee staff that's doing this, it is not a win-win relationship, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And there is a there is, you know, I think uh, when you look at what we, you know, I always say every relationship needs to be win-win or it's a broken relationship. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so any relationship that's going to be long-term, it has to be, there has to be consideration for both parties, mm-hmm. you know. And, and so there is a, you know, we, you know, for business, you might use the contract term as a moral contract. Uh, there's a, a contract of employment. But, you know, I think I'm more kind of a bigger picture, horizon kind of dry mm-hmm. uh, guy. I don't really um, want to get too deep in the weeds in any given moment, you know, unless I'm uh, involved in recipe design for the service and yeah. someone's, you know. Well, you and I have that in common, I think. We're both uh, we're both big picture viewers. Yeah, yeah. But, uh yeah, that's that's uh, the world is different. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. Total state of flux. I mean, yeah. it's you know, I mean, the days of uh, you know leaving a message on an answering machine and, and expecting to call back the following day versus now, dude, I've been trying to reach you for twenty minutes. Where you at? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like where yeah. were you? I've been calling you for an hour. Yeah, it's like yeah, I was worried. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. <laughs> you okay? Yeah, right. Right. Yeah. Anyways. Got it. Yeah. John Jorgensen here, and if you're considering building a new home in Northern Virginia or Montgomery County, Maryland, reach out to us through our website, webuildonyourlot.com. That's webuildonyourlot.com. We have pricing and floor plans online, lots of great process information, and contact us through the website so we can get you started on the path to your very own Stanley Martin custom home. So, Tom, there was a period of time, and I don't know what you were thinking, but you went into the, uh, you went from carpet cleaning to produce. Is that right? Yeah. Carpet cleaning to produce. So how in the world did that happen? Well, um, I was uh, young and thought I had the Midas touch, thought I could do anything. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I I met this older man. He was a a great storyteller, actually. And he kind of... He um, had spent a lifetime. He, he was uh, probably 70 years old, 65, 70. His name was Del Clark. He was from uh, Yakima Valley, Washington. And, uh, but I met him in a store. His daughter was in Alexandria. And, and he just, I don't know where I met him, actually. But generally, I'm pretty inquisitive, and I kind of come from this place where I don't really have any secrets. I pretty much, I think. So if I want to be honest about anything you ask me, then... I kind of feel like I can ask questions, probative questions. Sure. But I learn. I learn. I'm, you know, I could be with a, you know, a senator one day, a dancer the next, right. you know, on a job site, and, and I'm, I'm very inquisitive about learning. And so that's how I've learned over the years. But this this uh, guy told me at the produce business, and and uh, it sounded so neat and yeah. cool. So I decided, okay, let's do it. And uh, so I. Uh, Bought forty thousand pounds of apples from Yakima Valley. I don't do it. I wasn't going to do it small. So we, um, I, I, I got a warehouse on a short-term lease in uh, yeah in uh, Central uh, Avenue there in PG County. So now, did you buy the apples from this guy? No, Was he the? Uh, no, he put uh, you actually, into- you know what? I, I'm through him. He knew, who, okay. he knew who, who to buy them from. Yeah, and uh, so. A truckload of apples, 40,000 pounds. Uh, we had them shipped. Is that like one 18-wheeler? 
Yeah, that's worth of apples. Yeah, 40,000 pounds. Okay. And um, we had them delivered to my warehouse in... Capitol Heights, Capitol Maryland. Heights, Maryland. I remember and, that, uh, yeah. Of course, I didn't have a refrigerator. Now, I remember that, me, too. <laughs> luckily for me, it was like March. I had some time. I had 90 days before yeah. it really was going to get ugly. Yeah. But uh, we started uh, a couple produce stands in D.C., mm-hmm. and... Mm-hmm. Um, we sold that. We uh, we so out of forty thousand pounds of apples, how many pounds did you sell? Well, I bought more than one. Oh, uh, I'd say, hey, maybe sixty percent were sold. Yeah. Luckily to me, the, the guy next to me um, happened to have a farm in Leesburg. Yeah. And a pickup truck. So uh, <laughs> to take away the ones that you yeah, didn't. There was sell. some rotation there, but um, we started selling uh, oranges, collard yeah. greens, kale. Yeah. And we we actually had a couple stands right in the thick of it downtown like right. Bladensburg in New York yeah where we'd go to like uh, I, I don't know how it ended up but I actually went down there with you one time no kidding I know I, I, I can't I can't remember how that occurred but I was with you and you were picking up some panels for this freezer you had bought and we yeah. took them to your warehouse I think I was just hanging out with you for a couple of days but I remember yeah it was it was something yeah. so yeah we we do a surprising I mean I, I I lost, you know, I certainly lost money. I could have lost more, but uh, we did okay on the fruit stands. You'd be surprised, but mm-hmm. you know, it was uh, it was a learning experience for me, um, and uh, kind of getting to the thick of it down there in D.C. and you know, dealing with the vending police. They were yeah. all over you, you know. But uh, um, but yeah, I, I st- because I had so many apples, I started giving apples away, mm-hmm. and that is one of my lessons where I call it the New York way of selling. But you know, I just. The apples were going bad, so I just started giving them away to people in traffic. Right, right. So, car loads, there'd be, you know, they'd be waiting for a light, and I'd say, "Here you go, hey, four in the car here." Yeah, hand out the apples. Within a day or two or three days, people start coming back and buying apples and kale. One for three, two for five. We have back one for three, two for five. But it was just amazing. It was a life lesson too, where you, if you put your best foot forward, yeah, and. you know, I think uh, people instinctively they've got they they want to reciprocate goodness. Right, right. You know, it was, it was so, so you were giving away apples because they were going bad, and you just wanted to get rid of them. They, they were, you, yeah, they were. And, at, they and were what, but what you learned was it brought customers in by giving out free samples, yeah, right? Right, and, yeah. and they were not bad. They were they were premium, but yeah, they were in good shape. But I just had so much, you know. And, well, you knew they were going to go bad, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. And so, um, yeah, but it was a it was. It was uh, probably we did uh, several loads worth mm-hmm. of apples, and we were doing. We started uh, mixing. We used to go up to Jessup and mixing regular fruit, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, it was kind of fun. We uh, I was looking for locations all the time, and we were trying to sell to grocery stores. Mm-hmm. We sold to a few grocery stores, but not enough to really move the the uh, product. And at the end, um, the um, I had a warehouse with probably. I don't know, fifteen thousand pounds of apples. They were going bad. Mm-hmm. It was into June, I think, and and uh, this is my like, my third load or something like that. But it, it was time to exit stage right at that point. Yeah. It was pretty obvious to me that I wasn't enjoying myself and I wasn't making money. So, yeah. Um, and I, but luckily I had total flexibility on lease and turn. It was all flexible. So, mm-hmm. um, the Grateful Dead was in town, and uh, I leave for like an hour, and because you know what's amazing. I had all these apples, and I started calling all these nonprofit groups. Mm-hmm. Come and get it. Come and get it. And none of these nonprofits even had ways to get the apples. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and so uh, 
I did have a reefer truck, which was definitely was it came in handy. But um, we had no way at that point because I'd liquidated, you know, I'd sold the reefer truck and I was exiting. Uh, I had no way to get them the apples. But the the Grateful Dead was in town, and the manager I had working with me put the word out. And when I came to my office uh, that afternoon, there were boxes on the street everywhere. These people from the Dead concert, they cleaned out my entire warehouse in two hours. So I don't know. I'm like, what you the You think they had the uh, munchies? The, I, was, I was a little pissed because the, the guy didn't, the, my manager didn't ask my permission. He right. knew where we wanted to go. Right. But I was, I was a little um, pissed about it because, yeah. you know, I mean, I did, that's probably eight grand in apples and yeah. maybe I could have given it to someone myself or, but, uh, but yeah, they were, they were cleared out in a matter of uh, an hour or two. Uh, the Grateful Dead. Uh, At the cab center, must have been the cab center back yeah, then. Yeah, right. And, and, but yeah. everybody staying at all the motels, they just. Right. All natural apples just eating, eating, eating. Yeah, they, were, they were gone. They were so gone. Uh, that was before the internet. So uh, that was amazing uh, communication. was quite the accomplishment yeah. to empty out my warehouse in two hours. But yes, yeah. it happened. <laughs> it happened. And, and in retrospect, it was good. He was like, I, I, he ended up talking to his parents who were in the produce business too, this, right. this other guy. And, and he was like, yeah, they told me what I did was not the right thing to do. I should have checked with you. I said, yeah, probably should have. But yeah. in retrospect, it was, it was good to... Get those apples out. Yeah. Well, he was probably listening to you saying, I got to get rid of these apples. I got to get because I know you well enough to know that you were probably walking around for days. Oh, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Saying that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it's 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 a sad sight when because we were talking about is there a way to uh, dry them out, you know, and 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 you save them that way. But uh, yeah, it was one of the one of the sadder sights uh, not to dwell. But but uh, when the dumpster went. (laughs) When you put a, when you fill a dumpster with apples mm-hmm. and something comes out that looks like honey, yeah, it's that thick of consistency is like honey. It's, like, it's a sad sight, but and, and it draws the bees in pretty good too. So yeah. it's like the apple honey was coming out of the base of the dumpster. Like, uh. yeah, so it was it was a it was a uh, it was a kick in the pants. To so you um, did that for what? Was that two years? A year? No, about a no, year. It was like six months. It okay. was it was a life lesson. Uh, yeah. I, I would have been better off selling encyclopedias at the time, but. Yeah. Stay away from perishables. You yes. Know? That was the, the lesson was, you know, because yep. it does take time to get traction. And, and, and free to, samples really do work. Free samples do work. Yeah. You put that, uh, put your best foot forward and you might be surprised that uh, it's reciprocated. Yeah. yeah. Good story. In case you missed it, here's a clip from episode seven, Jerry Berry with First Heritage Mortgage. You know, the thing that, that that keeps me doing it, John. Yeah, tell me. Is is I really genuinely like that person that I get to meet on the phone, and right. I've gone to trying to set up phone calls with. That's fun. Yeah, it's fun getting to getting to getting to know somebody and yeah. learn about them and find out whether you have something in common or not. Exactly, you know, that's, I agree that's with what, you. That's what does it for me. So we yeah. pretty well try to um, have two people that that will set up calls for me now mm-hmm. talk about scheduling calls so they'll schedule calls and i try to do the the video call with everybody that i can right just so they do see and and again if you care and i i feel like i do care mm-hmm. uh if you care about that person that's sitting across the desk from you 
uh, uh, then they know that. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't come across if you don't get to meet them. So right. I think that's very that's very important. But I really, really thoroughly, and I'm not just making that up. Of course I, you're I not. I enjoy yeah. that. I enjoy that. And, yeah. and you know whether that person across from me does enjoy that or not. Right. So Tom, you've started bootstrapped quite a few businesses in your day. Mm -hmm. So what advice do you have for the folks? So things are a little different now than they were when we were younger and we were doing this, uh, starting a business from scratch. But what do you say to the folks out there who may be listening, who may be in college, or maybe they have uh, um, a job they're not really thrilled about and they want to start their own business? What does it take? What kind of advice do you have for folks out there that want to be a business owner? Okay. Well, um, I've always kind of thought within myself that it's on some level, it's about you wanting to be heard. Like you want to impact a service or the community or the world. You want to, you want to make a change. You want to innovate. And, and I would say that, you know, when you design a business, you start with that blank canvas. Now, if you're starting a business, you're working off your skill set that you have. That is the accumulation of tools, the skills, the experience that you have that are unique to you. And you need to just figure out how are you going to leverage that skill set and, you know, which direction over the, uh, the landscape you want to direct your company. I, I think, you know, maybe some of the kids these days with the technology, they know exactly what how they're going to fit, you know, how their software tool is going to plug in and optimize a mm -hmm. process, mm -hmm. make a process easier, you know. Um, but as it relates to services, you know, um, where I put someone that it's is a human in a home, you know, the choreography that that has to happen for it to be a wonderful experience. You know, I, I, um, I hope this doesn't get off off track, but you know, I was uh, up in Chicago at a meeting, and I went out at the last minute to one of these Brazilian steakhouses by myself. Mm -hmm. And it was like I think they closed at ten, and I walked in at like nine thirty-five, and I'm like, oh no, you know, everything's going to be <laughs> medium well done, well done. And and right. uh, but when I walked in that door, I was met by someone that greeted me, the manager who handed me off to the the maitre d' who handed me off to. I was handed off like six times. Mm -hmm. I met. I think half the staff, but the choreography was beautiful. Now, the food was all great, too. It was wonderful. But the choreography was just, it was great. It was, mm -hmm. it was wonderful. I mean, I really appreciated that. And so when, if I was designing a home service for me, you know, you look at every aspect of your client, what their needs are, and how can you improve the processes that already exist, except none of the processes as perfecto. Everything can be tweaked and improved, but you know where are you going to add value? How are you going to disrupt? And and when you can do that, and you've got a story to tell, and people, and you have respect. Look, if you can, if you have in the carpet cleaning business, mm -hmm. when you can educate a client about what you're doing, why you're doing it, and you've got them learning about mm -hmm. carpet cleaning, mm -hmm. you've got them, and they respect you. So you become a de facto expert, not mm -hmm. by bragging or boasting, but by mm -hmm. educating. Mm -hmm. So in the world of home service, that's what we use in every vertical. If you're effective, you know, you've got a diagnostic phase where you're doing your investigation, whether it's plumbing, heating, air conditioning, mm -hmm. it doesn't matter, roofing, siding, windows, mold, it doesn't matter. You're going to do your diagnostic and then you're going to take your client on an educational journey, a journey of right. discovery. You're the science teacher. You're the, and then 
if, if it's a multi-layered job where you're integrating several trades or several people, you can tell them about that journey as well. Mm -hmm. Maybe where some of the pitfalls may be or, you know, um, where some of the complications might be. But you take them on that journey and you're educating them so they can have confidence enough to sign, to approve, to, to feel comfortable with you. Mm -hmm. But also they understand what they're getting for their money. You're building that value proposition into the equation. So when mm -hmm. you say commit to this amount of money, they're saying, oh, now I get it. Right. Because, right. because any service, and that's the thing I mentioned earlier about, you know, how technology is pushing service towards commoditization where, look, uh, you know, you've done SEO a lot, marketing, right. and I'm telling you that uh, I've, I've used some sources in uh, New Delhi for SEO. Now, mm -hmm. uh, if you're doing links and coding, they're pretty good. But if you want them to write an article about you, not so good, okay? Because I don't want to be called reputed in an right. article about me. Right. Like Al Capone is reputed, okay? I'm not reputed, you know? So, yeah. you know, and when I can catch those edits, when I can see those problems, I'm like, ugh, and this is what I'm catching. Right. So, you know, there's, there's common speak between us, but my point is that that is outsourced in Delhi because they're billing, I don't know, 20 bucks an hour right. as opposed to 65 or 85 domestically or more, right? Yeah. So um, all industries, all services fight that and and on the flip side when a client um treats a service as a commodity it may not be a, it may not be a very good connection for you mm -hmm. because uh they're not gonna they may not care about the value all the foo-foo that you're adding that mm -hmm. is time and and when you know we're talking medical mold water damage plumbing heating air conditioning the key factor from any service company owner is time mm -hmm. and when you're designing a medical mold job you can't get around the fact that it will take time, three mm -hmm. weeks, four weeks. Mm -hmm. And that time has a cost associated with it. And having been in so many verticals, you know, you're, you're, you've got you've to hit your numbers or right. else you go out of business. Right. And, you know, it's expensive to be in business these days um, with taxes, insurance, things like that. So, uh, but getting back to starting a company... It, it's um, I know. When so I'm what, what, what is it like to, to start a company? I mean, it's it's I mean, I know it, it's sometimes not easy to articulate, you know, but how do you explain to the folks out there that are listening when you start a company with nothing? I mean, let's go back to when we started advanced water damage restoration. I had a little teeny tiny office. I don't know if you remember yeah. on Thor Drive. Uh -huh. It was like that room was like a six by eight. Oh, it's a little bigger than a closet. And I think I had my first computer that I'd ever had in my life, and I didn't even know what to do with that thing. And it, and it was sitting there, and I was making phone calls, and we were going out making sales calls together, and there was no money. It was just work, 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 right? We invested a lot of time. But how do you, how do you articulate that starting with nothing? Well, I'm, I'm at that, so right now, I've got my two brands I'm, I'm looking to build out. So, mm -hmm. uh, 100 Wet Carpet and 100 OxyClean. Mm -hmm. And what I'm interested in doing, and so historically, I've built 30 to 40 person companies. Right. That's very quickly, my, I'll add too. You're very good at that. Thanks. Yeah. But yeah, and, and, and that is based off a recipe and a compelling story. Right. So, if I'm going to compete in this marketplace, and this is very com a very unique marketplace because we're competing with the federal government. Yeah. And we've got, and now we've got big data. And so there's a lot of money going around and all these kids that I'm hiring, you know, mid twenties, mm -hmm. uh, they've got buddies that are already at the bar at four thirty or five o'clock, you know, living the social life, the good life. Yeah. Uh, and, um, these in the blue collar industry is a little different. You know, we, you know, um, homeowners 
don't like client or uh, service companies that leave the job site at 440 or 435 uh, half um, closed up, right? right? So, you know, the work has to be done and it, it's not a definite timeline, right? So mm -hmm. sometimes sometimes you work until six, seven, eight, and that can that can interfere with the social mm -hmm. life. Now, um, but the way I do it is I, I fine-tune the value that I'm going to add. So how am I going to do something that's innovative that no one's done before, mm -hmm. which in our case was the water damage company, and how am I going to take a young man, in most cases, a young man, that was previously making $12 an hour and like we've done with several places, you know, put them in Audis or BMWs or, you know, where they can make fifty to $60,000 a year right. in that first year. Right. And, and you have to take them on a journey. And I will say it can be, it can be costly because training is key and that training is expensive. So mm -hmm. I found myself a few years ago spending upwards of $8,000 a year educating these kids. I mean, hey, that's more than my dad spent on my college, you know? Right. So, and these uh, people may be with you today and maybe, uh, I mean, I've got countless people in business, which is fine. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you start a company that's, you know, at its infancy, you're basically all in the same rowboat. Right. And, and these people, in my opinion, they deserve to know the full story and where we're going. Now, mm -hmm. unfortunately, at some point, I need to turn that off. Yeah. It's, it's a little bit overwhelming to people because yeah. yeah. I'm very comfortable in that, that vertical place. Yeah. A lot of people get queasy with that. Yeah. But getting back to starting the business, it's about how are you going to innovate your service? Yeah. I mean, I guess you could just be, I mean, I don't, I don't want to minimize this. I mean, mm -hmm. I'm a carpet cleaner. I, right. I started in carpet cleaning. But I, didn't, I never wanted to be just a carpet cleaner or just a painter or just mm -hmm. a contractor. Mm -hmm. I want to, if you can't do something unique and with a little pizzazz and, you know, innovate a little, why do it, in my opinion? I'd rather right. just, you know. So um, how are you going to change that? And then, and then how are you going to be the best place to work within that vertical? You know, how are you going to lure the talent? Mm -hmm. And so you, you meld those two things. And it's very much like a chicken egg. You're right. Uh, so in the business I'm doing now, I've had preliminary. So 1-800-WED Carpet is a co-branded member group mm -hmm. where people have existing business. And we're going to plug in a vertical that caters to water damage co company or mm -hmm. customers. Mm -hmm. And what we're going to do is uh, try to simplify and streamline the, that mitigation response process. We've got some uh, technology partners that we're going to uh, integrate where, you know, the uh, mapping out job sites with photos and what mm -hmm. have you. And, mm -hmm. and, um, and this will be a value add for the carpet cleaning partners we have or restoration companies. But I should be able to put that network together pretty well. And I'm just about at that point. Mm -hmm. but, I, but even though I've been kind of working on it um, for about a year and a month, I still haven't done that first. I mean... Locally, I've started to build um, some of it out mm -hmm. here. I've, we've done a few customers here locally, but uh, haven't really hit the switch on other locations. Mm -hmm. um, but anyway, so um, getting back to the beginning, because I got so <laughs> sidetracked. Like what you're hearing on the Go With John show? Please share it with your friends. They can sign up at gowithjohn.com. Yeah, advice for the for for the youngsters. So so folks that are listening that are maybe in their twenties, 
and they don't have a lot of resources, right? Okay. They don't have the ability to attract talent. They want to go out and they want to start a let business. Me, let, me, let me double check. Let me just double step back. Let me yeah. just simplify this whole thing because sure. I have a way of, I have a special way of making these too complicated. Number one, always have in your, in your, on the side, on the peripheral view, always have the tortoise and the hare. Because mm -hmm. it's really easy to get focused on money. Yeah. And so you have that tortoise and the hare tickling you on the left side and your peripheral, the side of your brain. Mm -hmm. Because you need to keep that in focus because it's really easy. So, uh, you know, I've spent, um, it's very much about relationships, building relationships with people. Right. It's about, um, Focusing on your unique aspects as to the service or the product you're selling and mm -hmm. how it's going to impact and change people's lives mm -hmm. or how, you know, you're going to, you know, how are you going to make a difference, basically? Mm -hmm. And that's mm -hmm. what it all comes down to. And I think, at least for me, when you dig down deep where, where, you're, where, you, where you are, so I'm a, man, you're going to have a hard time editing this, but <laughs> I would say... I use the blank canvas analogy a lot yeah. because I think ultimately business is art. Like I don't think there is another, there's, there's nothing you can do for the benefit of a stranger that will impact them more than a successfully executed service experience. That's great. Like statement. if you can do it, if you nail it. So when I was a kid, yeah, I wanted to, I wanted to do movies. I wanted to be heard, right? Yeah. And then it came around. So my, my position on movies right now is, hey, if I make enough money, I can build my own soap, soapbox. But for right now, I don't, <laughs> right. I don't have that soapbox. So it's okay. You know? you know, I've got a wife and two kids. We're happy. But we're building out things, you know. Um, but with regard to uh, starting your business, and on, a, on a flip side, I don't, if you don't have that passion, unless, you've, unless you're properly, unless you're well-funded, you know, I would continue the learning stages. I would continue to learn until you had that extra juice. Like yeah. you, you got to. Like well, so let's talk about the juice because I, I, I think I think the juice is all we had. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. I think I think when we started, we had a lot of energy, a lot of passion and a lot of caffeine and we were driven and focused. Right. And I think that. You, you, you know, to, you, you've got to want, you've got to wake up every day before the alarm clock because you're so excited about what you're doing that you can't literally sleep, right? I, I think that's one, of the, that's one of the components that I experienced. Now I'm talking about when you're bootstrapping, right? You're starting with nothing. You don't have a lot of money. And you've got to submerge yourself and educating yourself in an industry. And you've got to build a lot of relationships. And I think you, you hit the nail on the head earlier about the relationships and you get those relationships if you don't have them by picking up the phone and calling people or going out and meeting folks and, and, uh, yeah, let me, let me hit on the relationship thing one, one quickly, because I don't think it may be clear to what I mean. So, <clears throat> uh, so back in the eighties, I started advertising in yellow pages mm -hmm. and it was effective. We grew and, uh, um, up into the 2000s where I was spending tens of thousands of dollars a month, you know, well over 30,000 a month in, in yellow page advertising, 40,000 a month. Um, and we got a lot of calls. And, uh, 
and then technology changed. Mm-hmm. The internet came along, right? right? So, but in retrospect, what I tell young people that I meet, it's uh, forget the business for right now. Just put the business starting aside, the, the whole, you know, um, starting a business thing. Form one professional, personal relationship a month. Mm-hmm. That's what you do. That's the key to success in business. That's it, mm-hmm. period. You keep it forever. You mm-hmm. keep that relationship, that friendship there. We're friends forever, right? Forever, yeah. So now, so this is what magically happens. You develop one friendship a month. Now, I've never been a huge fan of BNI. You've done the BNI, and I'm not. I don't speak bad right. of it. I mean, people have had rock stars. Right. Some some spin their wheels, but I think the concept of making friends mm-hmm. uh, and building on these relationships over years, because what happens is uh, 15, 20 years into relationship, all these people are vice presidents. Right. And then as you get to my age, you know, 55 now, uh, they start to become company presidents. Right. And now, I mean, I've had a lot of relationships where I've gone hundreds of thousands of dollars out on jobs just because I, we knew each other. Um, those kind of relationships are invaluable. And, I would, and, and so regardless, even if you're gonna work in corporate America, that's cool. But building friendships empowers you. It, it fulfills you. Right. And it's the key to, in my opinion, financial success. That's, that's brilliant. And I've never heard anybody say that before. That is, uh, and, that's, and, and that's very true. Because no matter what field you are in, <clears throat> the relationships go with you. Yeah. Whether you're a carpet cleaner, a water damage restoration technician, a produce salesman, or a, <laughs> yeah. had to throw that in, or a or a, a medical mold expert. Uh, all the relationships you built along the way are are going to contribute yeah, I mean, to I, your success. I, you know, my clients have done. Uh, we've done a hundred thousand service calls mm-hmm. in thirty years, thirty three years, something like that. Uh, about a hundred thousand, well over a hundred thousand calls. Um, now I wasn't integral in every experience you know quite frankly once i get up to 35 people i, I often become too distant which is maybe it's one of my uh, shortcomings mm-hmm. is i become too distant from uh the client mm-hmm. um because there's a layer of management between me and them but uh that being said um in my service experience so over 30 plus years 33 years or so we've we've uh, knocked on a hundred thousand doors um in you know in every vertical like i've previously said um, and you meet a lot of interesting people. And so your, you know, I mean, your strength, John, in my opinion, is, uh, you know, you've got, and I should have responded to you earlier in, in the video about uh, when you were complimenting me, but uh, you're, you, ha- you are just, as far as your ability to get up, sit at the desk, and, you know, like if you, if you tell me, Hey, get up on this roof in the snow, <laughs> snowstorm. I'll do it. Or you know, in the worst places, worst environments, I'll do it when it's physical engagement. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. or getting to the job site and, and taking care of a you know managing a, a workplace disaster. I love that stuff. But right. when it comes to hey, I'll give you an example. Uh, I, I traveled the the country a couple of years ago to get certified in like uh, all these three certifications. There's probably like a dozen people that have all these certifications. Right. I passed all the exams, did all the course prep work, but I never turned in my white papers. That's how just, that's how, you know, so on, on some level I'm broken because I had a two hour or four hour paper to turn in on all these certifications and I'd be a very unique person with the, right. because that completes the, the certification. Right. Oh, well, I didn't do it, you know? Right. So, but you have got a ridiculous talent for, uh, first of all, you were always optimistic 
never you never down the dumps always like no matter how no matter what was going on around us you were always positive and and, and you would sit at that desk and dial dial in for dollars you would dial for dollars and i'm telling you you and you had some real i mean so you know with regard to starting a company yeah you need to be honest with yourself too i know what my strengths are and I know what my weaknesses are too. Mm-hmm. And so you, you definitely need to assemble a team or partners that complement your shortcomings. You should be a collection of rock stars. You're mm-hmm. very unique in a lot of different ways when it comes to selling, communication, uh, and, you're, and you're much more thoughtful in your communications, you know? Um, well, thanks for that, Tom. Yeah. Appreciate that. But uh, yeah, so I mean, you definitely complimented me because I'm. I'm I'm spinning my wheels, you know. I'm I'm just constantly burnt, laying patches. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, it's just. Well, um, it was a good, it was a good team. I mean, and, and you, you know, and I think that goes back to you know what does it take to be successful. So I don't think there's any human out there that can be good in all areas. And I think you know to 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 dovetail on what you just said, you know, you know, my 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 partnership over at Stanley Martin is this is the same thing. You know, Michael Schnitzer is the brains behind the whole organization, and he is just amazing at what he does. Right. And I could never do. I tell him, I go, I don't even know what you're doing. I don't know how you're doing it. I, he he opens up spreadsheets that are so wide and so deep and so thick. I I can't even begin to see right. past the screen. Right. And uh, you know, he probably wouldn't be the right guy to be sitting on the phone, you know, talking with with customers all day, right? right so it's right. a it's a yeah, it's a good match. So it's fun. But but yeah, so 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 getting a business started and building relationships. And I want to go back to what you said a, a second ago about your 33 years and 100,000 service calls and, and the folks that you met. But it's also another a little tidbit for folks is having the right people around you that can complement your weaknesses. Right. And and understanding what the important elements of a successful business are and having those people be part of the team that can make it work. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean. So I've run some, so the largest job I ever ran was just under a thousand units. Mm-hmm. This was, uh, I think it was Hurricane Irma maybe down in Alexandria. And that was just gas fitting. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I always say when I'm in the disaster business that uh, my job is to conduct a symphony of operations. Mm-hmm. And the sound of the music is on me. Yeah. Okay? That's on me. Right. But who is first trumpet? first violinist that's adjustable and yeah. so when clients have a you know rock star faux painter they want to integrate that into a rebuild process okay i'll in, i'll entertain that as long as they can keep up with the tempo so yeah. to speak yeah uh, but ultimately you know employees are like people in the orchestra mm-hmm. and uh, we all need to be you know on the same sheet of music so to speak and um um yeah there, i mean there's there's certainly learning to do and there's but it's also about um the that that passion Mm -hmm. that righteous passion Mm -hmm. is a it's a great thing yeah it is yeah no i agree so talk about your 33 years and a hundred thousand service calls and some of the folks that you've met along the way some of the relationships that uh that you've made um so you know on on the uh well, I've, I've just, you know, my clients, I've, I've just had, you know, wonderful clients, as you can imagine. I mean, whether plumbing customers, HVAC, carpet cleaning companies, I've met mm-hmm. the whole range of the gambit of uh, personalities. I love interesting personalities. Yeah, I know you, you do. Know, the more, in fact, you know, they say about, you know, how salesmen, uh, 
when you start, you know, you're selling kind of like bland colors and things like that. But then once they get into it, they look for like the more complex patterns mm-hmm. because it's interesting to them. There's a more, yeah. there's more depth. And, and I think, uh, when it comes to, um, people, um, I, I, I do love, um, I, I, I really yearn for that honest and open transaction because I'm, I'm, I'm committed to giving value and, and mm-hmm. following through and always doing more than I said, always, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So I always told my, my, my text, under promise so you can overachieve. Always, oh yeah. yeah. Always, always do something nice. So yeah. in my business philosophy, we talk about apples, you know, whether it's plumbing, heating, air conditioning, electrical tradesmen, whatever. I said, look, always do, you know, find something to do that takes five, 10, 15 minutes mm-hmm. and just do it. Mm-hmm. And then when you're bragging about your work and you, if you don't, you know, you've got to have some pride. Brag about your work. Mm-hmm. You know, show them what you did. Show them the difference. Show how mm-hmm. you fixed it. And then when you're doing that, show them something you did for free. Yeah. Goodwill. Yeah. And that is, it's, it's a pretty huge factor. Yeah. Uh, but it, it goes to a, a state of mind mm-hmm. that uh, good best practices, that you're going to put your best fo- foot forward when you're engaging residential clients. And, mm-hmm. and uh Anyways, but that echoes, right? That that way of thinking. Just like on the flip side, if you're if you're all about, you know, selling is important, but you know, uh, good service, passionate service sells itself. Mm-hmm. It really does. You know, yeah. and once they're educated, and you do have to ask. You can't be in a huff, or you know. But if you love what you do, I mean, who would who doesn't want to ask the guy with a smile on his face that loves what he does to do a little more work, right? You know, as opposed to. <laughs> Looking, looking down at your feet saying, is there anything else you can, I can do? Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I mean, you're not getting, you know, so. But it, I think, and that goes to successful business and happy living and all mm-hmm. that, you know, just life in general. And, that, you know, like I said about your strengths is that, you know, uh, you're a very optimistic person. And uh, you always tend to put your best foot forward. And, and you, do have, you do have that break where you... When, when you go into a relationship, you do have that kind of pregame thinking mm-hmm. so that you do take your I am at, you know, clients or whoever you're engaging on that journey where you've kind of predefined the route, mm-hmm. you know, where you want to go. Like we, we talked a little bit here. I mean, you didn't right. know that we'd be going in this zigzag. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm route. holding on for dear life. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah. No, it's all good, Tom. It's been a fantastic conversation. You've got a lot of great uh, insight. I'm really uh, uh, grateful uh, that you came in today. I think that's a great place uh, to uh, to end it and uh, for today. And we will uh, continue this conversation. I think we got a lot of things we can bring you back and talk about. <laughs> and uh, and uh, we look forward to having you on future episodes. So, Tom, thanks for coming in. Well, thank you very much, John. It was uh, it was great sitting down and chatting with you we uh we should do this more probably off the mic yeah um, well you know the funny thing is it, in just wrapping this up this is the first time we've probably sat down in 15 years for this long yeah yeah we've had without it without a, a passing game conver- type stuff yeah exactly yeah. between commercials kind yeah of things, you know? exactly so yeah, you're uh, probably right yeah, yeah so good to talk to it's you it's been Tom. fun thank yeah. you Hey, I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Go With John show. Please subscribe on the podcast platform of your choice and keep up with our latest episodes and what's going on with the show at gowithjohn.com. That's gowithjohn.com.